Listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. And I'm Pastor Carl Bullhagen. <laughs> How's that? That's fantastic. <laughs> we are continuing our series of Set Apart to Serve. We're talking with church workers and laity alike about encouraging young people and really people of all ages to consider church work vocations. And we are going to Iowa today to continue the conversation. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Carl Bullhagen, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Hampton, Iowa. Pastor Bullhagen, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you. Thank you. What kind of coffee are you having today? That is a fantastic question. Since we're recording today, it's a little later in the morning, Sarah. Do you are you Sarah, are you doing coffee or water? Well, right I have now? water in this, but I have cold brew waiting for me at my desk. Ooh, there you go. Brew. That's I've been on a cold brew kick since it's a hundred degrees outside. I have switched to from and not I like coffee once in a while, not every day. But golden milk is my new favorite. <gasps> golden milk is so good. It's fantastic. <laughs> Although it's not really the season for it, it's a little little hot out there <laughs> yeah. here in St. Louis. So cold golden milk. Pastor Bullhagen, <laughs> what's your go to? Are you having coffee today? Um today I I have an energy drink from Aldi, <laughs> Red Thunder. That's not coffee. That's not coffee. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it's cold. This is not energy drink hour. This is coffee hour. <laughs> well, you never know. By the end, it might be the energy hour. That's right. Wow. Like That's true. It's going to be coffee two hour. So, Pastor, <laughs> share with us your story, how the Lord brought you to serve in this vocation in the Office of Holy Ministry as pastor. Well, my dad was a pastor and a professor at the seminary, and I really saw how much he enjoyed the ministry. He went from serving the parish to teaching at the seminary, and then he went back out into the parish because he enjoyed the parish so much. And as a child, I really was impressioned on how much my father enjoyed preaching the gospel. And even the times he didn't really enjoy, he found it very rewarding. And to me, that made an impression that actually there is some it's very rewarding to be able to preach the Word of God, to change lives and souls through the, that Word of God. And, and uh, that's kind of what, how I kind of wind up, wound up being a pastor. If you would have asked me when I was seven years old what I wanted to be, I would have said a pastor. And it kind of streamlined me through the seminary to be a pastor. So, so that, that's kind of how it was for me. And to me, that's one thing I try to do, continue to do, is to convey that it is a privilege uh, to be a pastor. And some days are better than others, you know, but the fact that, you know, each day I got to give God's word to someone in a really meaningful way. And to me, that's real rewarding and it helps with those days I don't want to get out of bed, you know. And I think that carries on to others that people may see that as well. Absolutely. As a, a pastor, and you've been a pastor for a while, how would you describe the need for church workers today in our synod? It's pressing because it's hard to be a church without a pastor. And, uh, you know, it's kind of essential to the gig, you know. you God set it up so that we can have pastors who can preach God's Word and for people to hear it. If you really think about it, preaching is not just, and I teach this to the vicars, it's not just preaching a sermon 
it's preaching a sermon to someone because it, it involves two things, someone to preach that word and someone to hear that word. I think now at times in culture, we've gone to, well, I can encounter the word on my own and I can self-diagnose myself with what's going on with my life, what my sin is. And, but you really need an outside voice to kind of walk you through. There's a big difference, for example, between going to a doctor for an ailment or Googling it. And I think we have a tendency to, to think with our spiritual life in the same way. I'm going to wrestle with my spiritual issue. I'm going to think about my sin. I'm going to assume I'm saved for this and this reason. But then there's the, that's different than actually hearing a word outside of yourself, hearing what a pastor says through the office of the keys when he says, your sins are forgiven with the voice of Jesus, or to feed the very body and blood of Jesus to someone that really needs it because that is Jesus' proclamation. And that's not something that individual can do by himself, and that really isn't done very well through an online service either, where there's no real connection, human to connection outside of a screen. You need to hear it with your own ears, and you need to have a pastor who proclaims that word so that you have, without a doubt, know where you stand before God. And, you know, I think we live in a time where everyone wants to self-diagnose and wrestle with these spiritual questions by themselves, and then maybe salt in a little church. How many times do you hear, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not a church person? What are they doing? They're self-diagnosing, and they're not really getting to the heart of the issue. And when you have a pastor that's well-trained, who understands what he's doing, who takes a vow, I was at an ordination this past Sunday, he takes a vow before God and says, you know, I will treat your sheep with the utmost respect and according to God's word. I will proclaim your word according to the Luther confessions in a way that, that you commanded. And that, that gives an opportunity for everyone to understand where they stand. And that's really hard to do without a pastor, just like it's really hard to get, you know, have all our ailments figured out without a doctor. And, and so the having not only pastors, but church workers also play a role in that and supporting that work and teaching those things. You shared that your father was also a pastor and a professor and influential in shaping or uh, thoughts about the future mm -hmm. and serving as a pastor. Were there others who were influential or who helped shape you as a pastor, or at least your interest and your desire to serve in this vocation? Um, yeah, I would say I, I have a decent amount of pastors in my family. I have a brother-in-law who's a pastor. I have a couple of uncles who were pastors, and they were influential too. But at the same time, I was kind of very self-motivated, kind of like I said, when I was seven years old, you would ask me, I would want to be a pastor. I would say a big thing too would be my own wife. I got through, I was kind of driven to be a pastor. I told my wife's father that I would at least have my bachelor's degree before we got married. And so I got through college and graduated when I was 20, and then I was a pastor at 24. And my wife is a little younger than me. So we, you know, I look actually today believe it or not, is the anniversary of my 24th year in the ministry. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think back, you know, I was 24, my wife was 23. It's almost like we've grown up in this. You know, I've right now I've been a pastor half my life. It's hard to think about that way. 
And so I couldn't do this without the love and support of my wife as we've kind of grown into where we are today and in our life together. So you mentioned you you have vicars in your congregation. Why is it important to to encourage these younger people to to take up these church work vocations so that they can get to the point where they are able to have this vicarage in your congregation? Well, I would say this. To me, the vicarage program is has been wonderful in this way. All of the vicars, the one I have coming in August will be my 19th vicar I've had. And they've all come from all sorts of different walks of life. The one I have coming now is a, was an engineer for a while. And I've had a, one that was a pharmacist for a while. And, it's, and sometimes it's not just the young men who are coming and deciding to be pastors. I would say a, a good portion of them have been second career, where they bring their families to the seminary and they bring their families out again. I was at an ordination of a vicar on Sunday and there he was, a first-time pastor bringing his five children along. And to me, if to the listener, it's not too late to decide to go to the seminary and consider this work. But I think that has left an oppression on the congregation where they see someone who has had his own pharmacy coming to be a pastor, where they see they, they left very comfortable lives and very interesting lives and jobs and vocations to, to serve a higher purpose in the seminary and to be a pastor. And I think that has really left an impression on the people here in Hampton, Iowa. Elaborate on that a little bit more about how having a vicarage program in your congregation shapes the culture of the congregation and how your congregation views the vocations of church workers. Well, well for me, from a personal standpoint, I can say this, and I, th- I think the congregation gets this too. One thing I like about having a vicar is every year I have a young man who comes in and he wants nothing more in life than to do what I'm doing. You know, so when I have, I kind of have the old Adam wanting to be complacent or get frustrated or, you know, to have someone kind of looking over my shoulder saying, wow, this is great. This is best. This is awesome. I can't wait to be a pastor. I can't wait to do what you're doing. That kind of infectiousness spreads to the congregation as well, where, where, well, this guy is so excited to do a Bible study. I better go to it. You know, this guy's, you know, making visits for the first time in, in certain ways. Well, I want to make sure I welcome him into my home and offer him coffee and cookies. And they understand the sacrifices that a lot of these men have come to to go to the seminary, leaving lives behind. And it allows them to, to recognize how much work and dedication it took to be a pastor in the first place. And to me, for the congregation, it really has taught them to respect and understand what a blessing it is to have a pastor and when what they do to become a pastor. We're talking with the Reverend Carl Bullhagen, pastor of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hampton, Iowa, continuing our conversation for Set Apart to Serve, encouraging young people and all people to consider church work vocations. We'll continue the conversation right here on The Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others. 
to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our conversation in the series Set Apart to Serve as we're looking at church work vocations. Our guest today, the Reverend Carl Bolhagen of Trinity Lutheran Church in Hampton, Iowa. Pastor, you mentioned earlier, you've shared how the vicarage program is an important part of your congregation. And that's one part of creating this culture and of uh, in the congregation of raising mm-hmm. up church workers. Are there other aspects of that you think are important to creating a culture that, that encourages young people to consider church work vocations? Yeah, I would say fostering within the people of the congregation a, a healthy amount of respect and support of their pastor. You know, if you're in a situation where you have children in your car and you're driving home from church and well, I don't know about that sermon or pastor's not doing it this way or that way, and there's kind of grumbling about the pastor and how he does things, that does not encourage the children just to think to themselves, well, that's something I want to be. I think having a healthy culture and within a congregation that 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 understands and respects what the pastor does and holds the word of God in high honor as a true high calling is way. But I think simply having a place where the children hear positive things about the pastor and what he's doing and uh, has a long way of, of helping people get into that situation. If it's constant complaining or irritation or all those things that the children hear, they're not going to think, well, I, well, that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you play a role as pastor or how do pastors in general play a role in in helping to shape how the congregation and how the children think about these church work vocations and and with that encouragement to maybe consider them in the future? I would say the first thing is to be active in their lives. You know, be visible in teaching the kids in Sunday school and vacation Bible school and and being very impactful in how you teach them in confirmation and even youth group. I think that kind of work in shaping their lives where they can see, well, I want to be able to shape the lives of other people as well. You know, if you, for example, if you talk to someone who, who wants to be a teacher, every teacher will say, well, I was greatly influenced by when I was in high school, this English teacher really made an impact on my life and really taught me to look at the world in this way. Uh, I think that kind of inspiration to do things also reflects, and if you ask someone who is a pastor, well, well, how is that we decided? And it would be, well, I had this one pastor who kind of was helped me go th- get through a difficult time or was very influential at me at, at a difficult time. And it kind of inspired me to kind of pass it forward to be a blessing in that way. Where do you find those opportunities for conversations or encouraging, particularly youth, to consider church work? Well, there's, you know, I think simply saying, you know what? I think you would be a good pastor. Saying to someone, 
you know, I really appreciate, like you see, notice, you know, someone showing an act of kindness or showing a, a time of leadership or willing to voice what they believe according to God's word to say, wow, you did that very well. You know, you would make a good pastor someday, you know. And a lot of times they'll, they'll kind of shake that off and say, yeah, but but I do think, you know, when they're young to get them to consider it, when they're little to get them consider it, to consider it, because I do think when we're young, that's when we shape a lot of our attitudes about things and we shape a lot of our outlook on life. And to do that when you're young and to have parents say, you know what, you should consider this. We need pastors. I think to me, that would have a huge impact. Even I talked about second career pastors and vicars, they were thinking about it when they were younger too. It's just they weren't sure if they were ready or they weren't sure if it was their time or not. Or they say, I tried running from being a pastor, didn't work out so well. So I came back to the seminary when I was 35 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Most of those guys were thinking about it when they were very young. They just didn't get there until a little later. Do you have any examples of how, especially with the vicarage program in your congregation, how those vicars have played a role in showing that example to the young people in the congregation of what it looks like to have pastoral formation? It's been interesting in that I've been, since I've been doing this a long time, you know, I have kids that were in my Sunday school and and they go, they are in their early 20s now or, and they think, you know what, this vicar that we keep on getting, now they're my age. it's kind of eye-opening for them but i would say what's interesting about the vicarage program is each one connects to people differently and one will connect more with one age group more than another or will reach out and have personal connections with people in a different way and so it's interesting how over the years, you know, some will have a real connection to one vicar and then a next vicar come and someone else will have a real deep connection with them. I think that kind of variety has been interesting in how people view uh, uh, the pastors. Another thing is, too, is when a vicar is ordained, so when they go back to their sem- seminary and then they're called and placed, uh, we have a good number of people who will travel to wherever the ordination is so they can be there. We had about 20 people travel to the ordination that we had on uh, Monday. We've had people travel all the way to Wyoming from Iowa. We've had people, we've won a couple of years, we took, we chartered a bus where people piled into a bus and, and arrived at the ordination. We had more people from our own church at the ordination than their own congregation. Um, so to me, that itself, has a way of really influencing people and in how they think of what a pastor does. Could you imagine? I do it. <laughs> well, but I'm thinking as the vicar, right? You know, as the seminarian, to have that kind of support, what a difference that would make. It, looking out there mm-hmm. and seeing all, seeing a whole busload of people from your vicarage congregation show up for your ordination. It's your tribe now, yeah, <laughs> and like, claimed you. And it's a, and it's kind of a shot in the arm for the congregation to, that he's being placed in. Like, wow, you know, this whole bustle thinks a lot of this guy. Maybe we should listen to him, you know? Yeah, giving him <laughs> certainly some credibility that mm-hmm. these people value 
just the one year that they had with him, value him after one year. And here we get him as our called pastor. Wow. There's a, there's another thing that I, I enjoy doing with the, doing with the vicar of the last few years is we have a, actually a podcast. It's called Clerical Heirs Podcast. Kind of play on the words. <laughs> and it's almost like a, what I wanted to do in this podcast was kind of mirror for people that, you know, talking about faith and talking about church and talking about theology is actually kind of fun. And that's why we call it clerical errors, because we say, well, we'll make some mistakes. And, you know, we have some almost comedy type things that we do because we enjoy talking about uh, theology. And so there's another pastor, Travis Berg, and I, and then we have what we call, sometimes we call it the Vicar app, because, you know, when we have a stupid question, hey, Vicar, uh, what does this mean? You know, and so we have our, our Vicar app 18.0 right now on the podcast, but just a show. And I think that, like I said before, that it's fun to be a pastor sometimes. And I noticed that when I s- sat and visited with pastor, we had some very fascinating conversations. And I thought, you know, people kind of wonder when pastors get together, what do they actually talk about? What's important to them? And and so we kind of use a podcast to show what's behind the collar, what are pastors thinking about? And it's been fun. Behind the collar, is that your other podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will always say, the Clerical Heirs Podcast, a show that shows you what's behind the collar. Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, Pastor, as we consider the Set Apart to Serve initiative, encouraging people to consider, especially young people, to consider church work vocations, what do you want that young person in your congregation to know as as they think about church work vocations? I would want them to know, first and foremost, when I think of young people, and I want them first, they got to really want to do it. The climate, uh, you know, if I imagine, say I'm sitting down with 10-year-old boy talking about what is going to be what about being a pastor. So let's do the math. There'll be 16 years, there'll be a pastor. Okay. In 16 years, it'll be the year 2038. Okay. What do you think the world is going to be like in 2038? That's when they're just starting out. What is the church going to look like in 50 years for them? It's going to be a situation where to be a pastor, you're really going to want to want to have to do it. It's not something that you kind of stumble in, well, maybe I'll be a pastor or not. You're going to have to kind of start preparing for it now and be ready for it. And also then, for me, my my concern as a pastor to that child would be their own spiritual welfare first and foremost, because that is essential what leads them as their own past, as they do their work. So the first thing is, you know, if someone's really unsure, I don't know if I want to do that or not, don't necessarily force them because they really are going to want to want to do it. And they're going to really need a passion to do it because that's what's going to carry them through as they, they go through. It's not something that you just, it's going to be hard for them, really hard. And it's going to be very difficult. Can you imagine? I mean, what? how do you think the church will look like for them in 30, 40 years? I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about. So so I think sometimes 
we don't always take the education of our children as seriously as we should. Imagine that the temptations that they have at such a young age now and all the things that are up they're up against. And, you know, sometimes our education is, you know, you know, let's go have some fun or let's do this or that. They're really struggling with some really deep problems at a very early age. And so that first and foremost, to really get them to to have a rich understanding of faith and what it means for them, the better. That's and that's what will lead them to, to really want to do it. But they have to have that passion for it. You don't want someone half-heartedly going into this because it's going to be very difficult for them. Our guest today, the Reverend Carl Bolhagen, pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church, Hampton, Iowa. Pastor Bolhagen, thanks so much for joining us for this conversation for Set Apart to Serve on the Coffee Hour. Hey, I had fun. <laughs> You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. I'm Carl Bolhagen. <laughs> the Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.